Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Hello again, Slurds. Welcome back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. This is episode 57, and I am your host, Brian Wayne. This week, I will be going over the books that were released on the 20th of November 2019, as well as talking about other topics relevant to the world of comic books. So, fair warning, this is a pretty spoilery podcast it's more of an overview type of situation it's not really a review type of situation for the most part uh but with that being said there are timestamps in the description so if there's something that you need to skip to then uh yeah do it that way the other warning i like to give is sometimes i i get a little excited i can't contain my excitement and I grew up in a trailer park, so I say some uh, bad words sometimes. So, sensitive ears, you've been warned. Now, how you doing? What's up, nerds? Oh, man. Yeah, you ready for, for turkey? You ready to see the fattest Americans for the next, I don't know, month? Yeah. Yeah, for the next four weeks, you're going to see people at their peak weight. And I don't mean peak as in <laughs> desired. Uh, oh man, get ready. So, um, that that there's comic books to talk about, and uh, <laughs> but first we got some news. Matthew Rosenberg's in the news, and Matthew Rosenberg may have just convinced me on uh, an event that I'm, I'm kind of fifty-fifty on. The, I'm a big Iron Man fan. Uh, unfortunately, this last year, personally, I felt it to be a little bit of a letdown, being an Iron Man fan. And then we've got this Iron Man 2020 event coming, and I don't like... You know, being an Iron Man fan, you'd think the first event I would want to jump on is an Iron Man event. Well, unfortunately, for me, maybe not for everyone, uh, the, 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 the team running this event is the same team responsible for my... My recent disappointment in Iron Man. So this Iron Man 2020 thing, not super stoked on. But, but, Matthew Rosenberg has announced a Forceworks 2020 book. We're getting three issues. So, three issue miniseries tying into the Iron Man 2020. Matthew Rosenberg's going to be writing it. And Juan and Ramirez is going to be penciling. So this team, this team... Let me tell you about this team. This team consists of U.S. U, U.S. U.S. of Agent. U.S. Agent. Try that again. Uh, Mockingbird, Quake, and War Machine. 
So I'm not familiar with Quake. I don't know if maybe she's a champion. I think she's a champion, you know. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm not. I don't know. Champions aren't a thing right now. So, but War Machine. Gotta love War Machine getting a team, and it, I guess it's pretty suiting considering. I mean, he has been the best part of the Iron Man series thus far, or the Tony Stark Iron Man, at least his final arc. I'm getting into that goddamn. Yep. Uh, U.S. Agent, I've, I don't think I've ever read a comic with U.S. Agent involved in it, to be honest, so I'm anxious to that, but Rosenberg is very, very excited to, uh, he actually said that was a deal-breaker for him when he pitched this book to Marvel, and said, U.S. Agent or no Rosenberg, and I said, well, okay, <laughs> we got Rosenberg and U.S. Agent. So I, I don't know, this this may be, even if I don't completely buy into the full event, this Iron Man 2020 event, I like Matthew Rosenberg's writing quite a bit. And uh, I, yeah, if anything, I pick up these three. I don't know what Forceworks is. Forceworks isn't a new concept, it's a thing that took, I mean, yeah, it's a, yeah it was, I think the original Forceworks was... I mean, it was practically the Avengers. It was like Captain America and Iron Man and Spider-Woman, I believe. I know Iron Man was in there for sure, so... I guess that would make sense for... Oh, look at that, all circling around. So that's that little bit of news. There's one little tiny little itty-bitty other bit of news that I don't really know much about. Um, but there was a slight hint within... Oh, fuck, I don't remember what book it was, but... Uh, no, it was Captain Marvel. Yeah, I think it was... Was it Captain Marvel? I don't know. But someone's, uh, an artist is leaving a book, and then on the goodbye notes on the last page, it said, I'm going on to work on an X-Corpse book. So that's really the first official, or unofficial announcement that we're getting another X title. Uh, uh, I don't know anything about X-Corpse. Once again, I don't think this is a completely new concept. I think X-Corpse has been a thing in the past. I don't know what the team is. I don't. I, I have. I have no idea. Uh, they're, they're gonna. I mean, obviously, I'm gonna have to get something visual to convince me. But because I don't know if I mean how many mutant titles I could tie into at this point. I mean, there's already at least two from the Dawn of X that I'm kind of borderline on. But because the they they tie. This whole universe, the whole X-Men universe is so tied into each other now that in order to get what's going on, you have to be reading fucking everything. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this X-Corpse thing. But, it's news, so, bam. Now, I did a whole lot of reading this week. A whole lot of buying. I got a big, thick, healthy, meaty, juicy, uh, non-vegetarian stack of comics here <laughs> i don't know why it's uh, i guess because i, I don't know i, I non-vegetarian because i said meaty i don't know where my brain's at this morning y'all all right it's in comics that's what that's what we're gonna do we're gonna talk indies and i'm just gonna go ahead and flat out say the indies were the meatiest part of this this stack and mm, quality quality books this week y'all i'm gonna start out with count crowley Crowley from Dark Horse Comics. Count Crowley, Reluctant Midnight Monster Hunter. Number two, David Dostmalkin. 
Look at that, I said it right. I've been saying Dostmalakian, Dostmalakian. <laughs> I've been butchering his name. Want to know how I know how to say it now? Because I had an interview with Lucas Kettner, the artist of this. So go back, listen to the, the last creator corner I did from this podcast. Ah, and we hear all about Count Crowley in detail and what's to come. Or not necessarily what's to come, but the fact is, is there's more to come. And mm, Yeah, so... What's going on in this book? Well, we left off with old, uh... Oh, and I gotta give credit to the colorist, too. Lauren. Lauren Aff. Kills it with these colors. It really does. But, anyways, so... Let's let's get all up in it. Jerry, our, our main character, she's... She was fleeing from this werewolf. Werewolf chasing her. She thinks she's just... It's, it's a mirage. She's drunk. She doesn't know what to think. So, uh, she, she's speeding off in this car, and then next thing you know, she wakes up on the side of the road. Little officer tap, tap, tapping on her window, and, uh, yeah, says, well, fucking officer, I was sleeping. I was sleeping. There wasn't a werewolf. So, <laughs> the officer lets her go, though, because... You know, despite her admitting to the fact that she was driving intoxicated, and yeah, well, you know, he's, he's just one of those, those cool small town cops. Might be a fan of hers too after her last performance. Who knows? So, at this point, she goes back to work. She asks her boss, "What the fuck is up with this history of this last motherfucker named Barnes playing Count Crowley?" Because what her role is now, if you didn't read issue one or you're a new listener, or new to this book. Essentially, she she's a disgraced reporter, gets fired from her job. She's also a drunk, uh, in case you didn't get that at this point. Um, uh, but she she ended up pulling a job as, as some B-movie theater host that has to dress up in some shitty costume. And yeah, she has to take on the role of uh, the, the last Count Crowley host also known as, his name is Barnes, that's just up and fucking missing. So she wants to know the history. Well, her boss, Ben, isn't all that open about it, so she snoops around, gets gets his information, and sneaks up into his house. Uh, well, as she's going through, snooping around, motherfucking Frankenstein. Motherfucking Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Kind of getting a pattern to these books, and I'm liking it. So now she's got to outrun a Frankenstein. And bam. Yeah. So, um, the one thing I didn't mention is that Vincent Fright, he was the original, uh, it, it was his show, this whole Count Crowley theatrical performance or whatever. This was all his thing to begin with, so he's going to be tying into this, and oh man, Count Crowley, really, it, it's... The, the the first book released right before Halloween, so I mean it was in October. It was perfect, and yes, it is. It, it it's a it's a horror parody. I mean it's just I would say it's fifty fifty between comedy and horror. I, I I dig it. I dig it. Maybe even a little bit of drama. It's fifty fifty ten because math. Uh, heart attack. Heart attack number one. Sean Kittleson, Eric. Zawadzki and Michael Garland, covered by Zawadzki. Sure. Um, hmm. Well, I guess I can come out, before I really get into the plot of this story, it, essentially, this is, I think this is Image's attempt at a mutant universe. 
I do. I think with the success of, you know, uh, the revival of the X-Men and Marvel, uh, I, I, I don't know. This is, I'm not, I don't, I don't, these are mutants. I mean, they call them variants in this universe, and the two that we're going to follow in this issue, they're known as uh, Jill and Kearney. So, but before we get into Jill and Carney, we're not getting into them, but, uh, <laughs> Jesus, Brian, morning brain, uh, Nona, we, we, we know this, this Nona character, she's, she's graffiti-tizing, graffitiing, graffiti-tizing, <laughs> yeah, so she's doing stuff that she's not supposed to be doing, but she's doing it with this, like, light or whatever, some, cause, She's, I don't know, uh, she's not doing it with paint. Let's put it that way. It's, it's just mutant stuff. Or, as they say, variant stuff. Well, this VCU, uh, was, it's kind of the, the policing unit. And I would imagine it's, I have no idea what it stands for. <laughs> I, I really don't. But, yeah, so they arrest this Nona character and it sets off this controversy and it leads to this, uh, this news story about, you know, essentially unlawful and ridiculous arrests on variants. Well, that's when this now now we we're, we're led to Jill and Charlie. Yes. So, <laughs> Jill Carney, Charlie North. They meet up at this club and only because of a mutual acquaintance between the two of them. They don't know each other before they're at this club. But uh, one uh, the, the acquaintance between the, the the mutual acquaintance between the two of them is called Sutton or Sefton. Yeah, that's what it is. Sefton. Yeah, that's the guy. So they bump into each other and they have this really weird, awkward, almost like energy exchange type of situation. You know, I don't really think anything of it. Well, Jill, she is this news streamer, and she's there to get this this news story and. Yeah, um, I, I, like I said, my, my excitement isn't all the way there on this book, because one, you know, number ones can be tough sometimes, and two, it's, uh, yeah, it's, mm-hmm, so, <laughs> then we kind of get a little bit of a history on Charlie. Charlie, he's, he's kind of down on himself, his, his power is, uh, Oh, well, Jill's power is also this light type of thing, too. So, immediately, my brain goes to Jubilee. She is our, air quote, Jubilee of this book. And then Charlie, he is going to be our pyro of this book. Because he has these hot hands. And, well, he's got on himself, because right now, his his hands are barely even lukewarm. <laughs> I don't fucking know. So... Uh, yeah, after they bump into each other, they realize that, hey, my hands can get so much hotter, and hey, I can get uh, psychic or or that's not really her, and it's not light, that's her, not her thing, she does psychic powers, so she's our Jean Grey, my fault, the, the, um, Nona in the beginning was our Jubilee, got a little mixed up, it's been a week since I opened this one, it was actually the first book I read this week, so, it's the furthest back in my brain, so, yeah, no, that, that's heart attack number one. Now, what did I get out of this? We're meeting some characters, or some political drama, unlawful arrests, and... This is the X-Men of Image Comics, so if you missed all of this stuff, or you don't care about Wolverine, or you're some sort of Marvel nihilist, but you still kinda wanna have that book, 
uh, then bam, here you go. Heart attack. Sean Kittleson. Will it stay on my list? Probably not, but... I mean, granted, it, it is an enjoyable book. I know just because I'm not excited about it, by no means does that mean it's a bad book. We all have different tastes. I, I, I prefer to get my mutants out of characters that I already know. I don't think... I, I've got enough time to... Inv I, I, yes. Right now, Dawn of X, it is a brain investment because there's a lot going on. Hickman is setting us up. This this is just a smooth type of... Bleep. There you go. This is what's going on. I don't see anything complicated about this book at all. So, bam. Now, this next book. Mm-hmm. Rye. Rye number one. So, with the su uh, success of Bloodshot, Bloodshot's doing very well at Valiant, and, uh, that, you know, that comes largely from the, the, the movie. Uh, actually finally having a trailer and this being a real thing and then Diesel acknowledging it and yeah because this thing's been a thing. Rai is very much from the Bloodshot universe and as well Blood first act, Bloodshot first appeared in Rai number 0 so yeah. But Rai. <laughs> Let me tell you all about this book. Dan Abnett Juan, Jose Rip, Andrew Dalhouse and Dave Sharp. This book is fucking incredible. I <laughs> I am so happy this is a thing. So what we have here is we've got Rai and Rajin. And Rajin kind of looks like, if you were completely ignorant to what was going on, you would immediately think, oh, this is Rai's son. No, it's not the case at all. Rajin is actually much older than Rai. He's just an early model. So, yes, these aren't necessarily people. They're uh, projects, for lack of a better word. Uh, so, Rajan and Rai, they're in this desolate type of environment, and they're having some car troubles. Well, while they're having car troubles, they get ambushed by the Anarcho-Baron clan, which are essentially tech scavengers. And, well, they just so happen to get broke down in their territory. So, there's going to be a scuffle. Thing is, is that Rai has sworn off violence. So, <laughs> Rajin's like, dude, are you going to help me? Like, no, I've got to fix the carburetor. <laughs> Whatever parts, I don't know. Uh, but Rajin, this little, this little boy, he fucks this goddamn clan up good. So, you can see that these are... Uh, the, the, weapons of destruction these these two just are gnarly motherfuckers and keep in mind this also takes place uh, in the year 4000 so this is a very 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 distant future all right so at this point carry on they fix the doohickey and the engine mo kebab and they make make it to a little pub time to time to re group, regather, I don't know. We, we don't necessarily know their mission quite yet. Uh, well, actually, no, I take that back. We do. While they're on their way to the bar, we do get the scene where uh, that we, we, we get an introduction. It's not, uh, you know, this is where they're explaining the, this is what I am, and you're actually older than me, despite the fact that you're littler than me, and yeah. Well, the mission. The mission is to destroy all of Rai's fathers, or their fathers, because, I mean, 
they say father, but that's that's all the term used loosely. Their creator, all of the offspring, all of his offspring, they're all a threat because they sprung from that evil motherfucker's loins. Who that evil motherfucker is, uh, I can only speculate on based off the final page, but I'll get to that momentarily. In the meantime, Rajin says, "Well, I'm I'm one of those." people are you gonna kill me when it's all done are you just using me and rice says no no you're 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 good but rajin doesn't really believe him so yeah they they, they make it to a a bar a little pub and uh, you know we we get a a dream sequence with rye and his his love so that's something they just slightly touch on for about a page and a half maybe uh, Moma is her name, so she's dead. So you you, you kind of get the idea of you know this is his his motivation. And uh, yeah, well, at the pub, well, this whole anarcho Baron clan they run deep, and they are able to track down Rai and Rajin. Well, at this point, there's so many of them, and Rai just he's had it. Maybe this swearing off violence thing is for the birds. And he literally walks through them. And it, it, it's gnarly. The, the, the art is fucking incredible. There's a fucking T-Rex in here, guys. It's... <laughs> oh, man. I don't know where the T-Rex comes from, but there's a fucking T-Rex. I mean, it's a distant future, and there's, you know, it's not people. You know, there's it, it's almost Star Wars-y. It's kind of what it feels like to be... Oh, fuck, you know what? This... Westerny. This feels like Star Wars. Fuck. All right. So yeah, no. This is, the, the clan shows up and uh, Rai. He's he's such an advanced fighter. He moves so fast that you can't even see him. So we kind of. I I feel I got a real Dragon Ball Zizi Zizi reference from there. And you can't see him moving, but they're brah, 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 fighting super fucking fast. Well, he's he's like that. He's he's Super Saiyan Han Solo. <laughs> right, Super Saiyan Han Solo. I think that's what I'm going to call this episode. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, he, it's, it, it's so, I don't, like, once again, this is a podcast, so describing visuals is kind of uh, ridiculous. It's all the more reason you need to go out and pick this book up yourself. And yeah, final page we we see the Red King gets a location on Rai and Rajin. And to me, I would feel like that would be the 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 creator, the offspring, the dude guy target that Rai is after. That's but that's just speculation. I don't know for sure. Uh, my old valiant knowledge has been bumped out of my head and i, I, I do mean that uh act, I, I literally i've said literally twice i hate that word but i really yeah <laughs> uh yeah so getting back into rye i'm this is this is my favorite valiant book this, just off the one issue and juan jose rip and dan abnett monsters monsters on this book uh, outer darkness moving into image comics image comics number 12 outer darkness so this is the end of another arc 
And, well, <laughs> let's get into it. John Lehman, Afu Chan, covered by Afu Chan. Riggs and Ogwe, they fucked up Admiral Prakash in the last issue, and the idea is to hijack the Sharon. That's the name of the ship. I don't know if it's Charon, uh, Karen, or uh, Sharon. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's the, sh the ship. So they jack the ship. Well, before all that happens, we kind of get a back-and-forth storytelling type of situation here. Uh, we get precaution his deck, and they're, they're with Elox, and they all team up to go after Magdalena. Magdalena, she's, she's, she's missing, and pregnant is what they reveal. So, let's go find her. I don't see, I thought, I thought she was, like, super fucking old magic, you know, I don't know. Uh, but, let me go back to a sequence where Riggs is implanting this voodoo curse virus curse virus yes a technological magic gotta love it man john layman is just a master of creating uh completely unique universes between chu and this Ugh, so good so good so yes curse virus affects the system of admiral prakash's communications thus giving them a head start well, when uh, uh, Agwe and Riggs, who is also teamed up with the Lassers, this barbarian race, which, you know, helps, helps the odds of them being able to jack this ship, they, uh, they, they, they go on deck and they say, hey, oh, oh Elox, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing here, buddy? Uh, and Elox says, well, I'm with Precaution Isaac. They're on this motherfucker too. And, mmm, that's a problem. That's a problem in Riggs' eyes. Because, you know, he just, uh, smacked the shit out of Prakash's daddy and stole a ship. So there's gonna be some tension, and, you know, he was trying to replace her to begin with, and, yeah. Well, how does Admiral Prakash feel about all this? He. He decides to go to Satalis, who has been sentenced to death by way of um, being devoured by the god engine of these ships. Uh, well, uh, at least by Briggs. Prakash, not so much. He decides that he's going to use him because he's going to use his uh, abilities and his hatred towards Riggs to be able to track down his ship and his daughter and yada yada yada. Well, gives Satalis his own ship and he decides to recruit Sato Shin as his first officer and bam, that is the second arc. The thing is, is that uh, Satalis actually has... No intention whatsoever on Prakash's daughter. He just wants, or or the ship, or anything else for that matter. He just wants a way to get back at Riggs. So, <laughs> outer darkness, man. Uh, go through, read it, and trade if you haven't been, uh, you know, keeping it up on the issues. But, oh man, this is <laughs> this is so good. I Afu Chan, John Layman, killing it. Killing it. Let's move to Canto. Canto number six. David Boer, Drew Zucker, Vittorio S. Stone, covered by Drew Zucker. 
Now, I had uh, David Boer on the podcast not too long ago. So go back a f- two or three creator corners from this from now. Catch that whole episode. That was a whole lot of fun, man. Talking to David like that about Canto and getting an idea that there's going to be more in this book. Conflaming it. Sure. What's going on in this book? It's heartbreaking. But, um, shh. And you'll understand that in a second. <laughs> so the shrouded man, he's explaining the Canto. We don't hold the hearts that we take from you guys and replace with clocks. We just break them. And we, we, we destroy them. We don't... I mean, why ever give you the chance to retrieve them? We don't want you to have them. Why would we hang on to them? We don't have any use for them. We're not fucking hoarders. So, yeah. Bad news. Bad news bears. For Kanto. this point, magic fight. Kanto fight Shrouded Man. Shrouded Man, powerful. Kanto <laughs> able to get away, but his heart goes out. His clock, I mean, his clock stops, is what I mean to say. <laughs> because clocks are replaced with the hearts, yeah. So, uh, luckily, he's found by the elder of his race and taken back. Well, when Kanto wakes up, he realizes that while he was gone, life has been good for his people. He's sparked an inspiration. And actually, this this society that used to be, you know, enslaved has now overthrown the the, the slavers. And, you know, they're they're a free people now. And they've learned to uh, uh, adapt and train the Malaraks to be able to ride and all of this other stuff. Kind of a how-to-train-your-dragon type of situation kind of is what I get out of this. Or at least that particular ref- reference. That's that's how I feel about it. The Malarics are cool. <laughs> so, of course, Kanto gets gets reunited with his own Malarics. And, mm, yes, 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 yes. <sighs> but then, then you realize, you know, as he's talking to the Elder, he says, she didn't make it, did she? And by she, I mean the whole inspiration, this whole heroic quest for this guy. The heart he was seeking was, well, any heart for that matter, but his heart, uh, if need be, to uh, put back into the body of the one he loves. Because she was dying, her heart was going out, her time was up. Well, um, she's dead. And he realizes it, and we get this really sad moment, and... Ah, once again, heartbreaking. <laughs> it's, oof, oof. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but, with all of that, he, he is still, uh, he has the peace of mind that his, his mission wasn't for not. You know, his people are free now, and they're gonna go off and, um, you know, back to Arcana, where they, where they belong. You know, and they're yeah, and then the he's re reunites with the 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 one lady that mysteriously showed up and helped him in that one city, uh, a couple issues back, and she finally kind of opens up and says, "Hey, my name's All Loro, and um, yeah, I'm gonna be heading out, but you should watch out because the Shrouded Man he's not gonna give up. He got away, and if there's someone to enslave, that's what he's going to do. So hmm." Uh, watch out, and bam, that right there setting up a whole new arc. 
What did I think of Canto? Um, I don't tend to talk about what I think about Canto, or about anything, as far as opinion goes, unless it's just pure high praise, and, <laughs> I mean, if you're a fan of the Dante's Inferno type of, um, yes, this is, this is a take on Dante, and... It was beautiful. It was. The uh, happies and sads endings and... Oof, man. I I can't recommend Canto enough. It's it's beautiful. And it really is for for everybody. This is a family book. I mean, if... Um, it's it's not it's not bubblegum. That's for sure. Uh, and I... Well, okay. I, I guess the term everyone is loose. There's a lot of... Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it, highly recommended. Highly, highly recommended. Let's move on to my last indie book of the week, Once and Future. Once and Future, number four, Kieran Gillen, Dan Mora, Tamara Bond villain. Uh, <laughs> covered by Dan Mora as well. This this is probably going to be a quick overview, but some there's some stuff is revealed. One one major reveal at the end. But let's let's start at the beginning. The last issue had Grand staring down the scope, uh, pointed at Galahad, who has been ordered by Arthur to track down the Grail. Well, Grand goes to take the shot. Duncan, boop, pops the gun up. Bam! Shots fired. Misses. Time to run. <laughs> so that's what they do. They flee from Arthur, and yeah, um, they 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 get to uh, Grail Castle, I guess, uh, or that's where they need to get to. But first, in order to get there, they need the Fisher King. Now, uh, there's I'm probably gonna get yelled at by a lot of King Arthur and uh, other world enthusiasts out there. I'm an admirer, not an enthusiast, so there's definite aspects of this universe that I'm not familiar with, and that being the Fisher King. I don't know what the Fisher King is, but apparently the Fisher King is vital to to get to the Grail. So, Gran, or Bridget, as she has been called in this book as well, uh, and Duncan, and Duncan's lady friend, make it to the Fisher King, and it's revealed that the Fisher King is Gran's ex-husband. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> gonna be some tension, right? Well, the Fisher King outs Gran to Duncan, saying, hey, what's your, uh, what's your middle name, bruh? And he says, it's Percy, bruh. And he says, hmm, think he might be Percival? You think, Bridget, here's your, your little grandmama's been training you and grooming you the whole time to be the one to take out Galahad? Hmm? Is that what you think? And mind blown. His mind gets blown, and so does Fisher King's, because he blows his own fucking brains out. Bam. <laughs> I like how that, I didn't even mean to do that. That worked out well. Uh, yeah, well, he does whatever he can to, you know, fuck over Bridget and make sure that she can't prevail. That's issue number four of Once in Future, and <laughs> I dug it, man. This book continues to go on. It was it was a late pickup for me. I didn't think that 
I was going to be into it as much as I was, and here I am, four issues in, and still excited about it. Still excited, despite my ignorance for the other world. DC Comics, Nightwing, number 66, Dan Jurgens, Ronan Cliquet, and Nick Filardi. Cover by uh, John Boy Myers. Oh yeah, John Boy Myers on that cover. Fuck, man. It's, these acetate covers have been pretty good. Alright, uh, once again, this is going to be a quick overview. It's... Hmm. So the Nightwings, their team, they're... They're, they're saving kids from burning buildings, because that's what you do. Hutch almost dies, though, but he doesn't. So, yeah. <laughs> we get a whole moment with that. Uh, Rick, on the other hand, back to the top of the building with Talon and uh, B, or Bay, B, his wife, or wife, not his wife, his lady, his lady friend. She, uh, she's... She's watching in horror as Talon's explaining what his plans are with Rick to her for some reason. So this is really just a big vill villainous monologue <laughs> when it all comes down to it. Uh, Rick, he puts on the goggles and those goggles are able to change his memories and how he perceives things. And uh, At this point, he's, he's completely programmed. He's programmed to be a deadly killer. He's programmed to believe that Talon has been his mentor the whole time and his relationship with Bruce Wayne has been erased, um, or at least distorted. So, now it's time to test his abilities of being a an evil, bad uh assassin the assassin of the court of owls he is now talon and his first task take out the night wings bum 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 yep nightwing man i'm uh <laughs> i have no gripes with this book it was a very quick read yes it was a villain monologue but when the the character's interesting and by interesting, I mean super fucking evil and dark. <laughs> That's, I'm okay with that. I dig it. I like it quite a bit, actually. Let's keep it going. Um, Batman Superman, number four. Joshua Williamson, David Marquez, and Alejandro Sanchez. Marquez and Sanchez also did the acetate cover that I decided to pick up. Alright, so... We, we kind of get the reveal of the plans here. What's going on? Why Batman Who Laughs is doing what he's doing? Is we know that there's six needed and to, to complete his plan. What is that plan? Well, uh, the, the six types of characters needed uh, have all been meticulously picked out. All of the, the, and the you know, it's going to be Gordon, Kamish, Kamish, Shazam, Hawkman, Blue Beetle, and Donna Carter. That's five. Well, the six being Superman. That's the target. That's that's what the Batman Who Laughs needs. And every single, you know, all of these characters are very, they have their own, um, well, use. You know, they all differ vastly. So if all six of these were to come together, you know, Earth, Fire, Wind, Water, Heart. Earth, Fire, Wind, Water, Heart. That's five. Uh soul <laughs> fucking no kryptonite they all come together and that is going to be able to power this this uh satellite that 
the Batman who laughs has placed into space. Well, what's this satellite going to do, Brian? Well, this is a cosmic bat signal. And what this bat signal is going to do is release this, this beam on Earth. And it is going to infect everybody. Everybody on Earth is just going to be giggling and laughing and evil and scary. and Yep. So that's the plan. Well, thing is, Superman still not necessarily buying it. Well, Supergirl shows up because Superman's so smart. So smart he calls Supergirl. You know, if you can't, if I could take you on, uh, Supergirl can too. Well, Supergirl isn't Superman. She's corrupted immediately. And bam. Batman Who Laughs has his six. So it wasn't necessarily Superman that he needed, but he needed a Kryptonian. Um, now, have they said why all the powers and who and what? And, uh, well, they said who. And they said what, but they haven't necessarily said why and how. And this is a four-part series that ends with that. So... <laughs> It's going to be carrying on into another series, and apparently we're going to have to be picking up these infected books. Um, I thought there, you know, there was infected King and infected Scarab, but I thought they were just prequels, not necessarily, well, necessary. <sighs> well, yeah, now we're getting infected. Was it infected Kingdom or some shit? I don't, I don't remember what it is. Uh, has the book been good? Yes. Did I like the way it ended off? No. Um, I, am I hoping I'm completely mistaken and this is a five-part series and not four? Absolutely. But it's said to be continued in yada yada yada, and yeah. I, I was expecting a finale out of this book and it's far from it. Am I enjoying this whole thing and wishing it were longer? Absolutely. But I expected a finale. So, just a little bit confused. But, with that being said, still enjoyable. I've been loving, and this, the, frankly, this series has been my convincing factor that the fact that I, I am capable of liking a Joshua Williamson story. So, that's good for something, right? Right. Let's keep it going. Justice League, number 36. Scott Snyder, Francis Manpool, Howard Porter, and Hi-Fi. Manpool did the acetate cover. Alright. The beginning of this story... Badass. <laughs> it is twisted. So the Legion of Doom, they're awaiting their award reward, uh, as promised by Perpetua and Doom. Well, Perpetua told Doom, or not Doom, Jesus Christ, uh, Lex Luthor, to you know, hey, get the Legion of Doom, and when we do this, they're gonna have rewards beyond their wildest imagination. So it's time to collect thing is, is that Perpetua goes back on her word. She very violently and horrifically uh, captures the Legion of Doom and puts him in these capsules. And Lex Luthor, he's not exactly pleased with this. He's looking on in terror. <laughs> this is not what we promised. What the fuck? And you start seeing that he might be having second thoughts for a second. That maybe Perpetua isn't as cool as he thinks she is. Well, when she finds out, or when Lex finds out her, her motivation for that, he goes right back to thinking that Perpetua is the shit. Because what he does, or what she does, is if 
Apex Lex isn't badass enough. She puts all of the Legion of Doom's powers, completely drains them, and boop, all up in Lex. All up in them. All the Legion of Doom is in Lex Luthor. Just powering through them. <laughs> so, now it's time to kill the Justice League. He arrives on Earth, and we, we learn that uh, Batman has the ultimate contingency plan for the Hall of Justice. Um, apparently the Hall of Justice is capable of flying. The whole thing. The whole thing. Not a little escape pod in the Hall of Justice. Nope. Lex arrives and Batman decides, well, um, Lex is here to kill everybody, so I'm just gonna get the Hall of Justice up out of here. Peace. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's what's going on there. I... I really, really like the first part, but that second part confused me. I just, yeah. <laughs> and in the end, I figured out what it was. It was just what was going on, because this is a reveal. We've never seen the Hall of Justice flying around before, so. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I Overall, I liked it, and I, I am liking this art quite a bit, and I can't wait to see Lex Luthor take on, I mean, he's already, he's been Apex Lex, he's already been unstoppable, so now it's, whew, I, I, I'm anxious to see what Snyder does, and how he leaves off this universe. Let's talk, uh, Batman, and this will be real quick, uh, Batman, Tom King, Mikhail Janine, Jordi Belair, uh, you're reading this book for Mikhail Janine's art. Uh, or unless you're a poetry enthusiast. So, what's going on here? Batman wakes up and finds... He's sitting at this table, across the table, is Alfred. Uh, well, Alfred's dead. And, well, it's... It's time to get all emotional. Now, uh, he's... Apparently there's... I don't know if it's a letter or an audio recording being... Uh, played in the background or read in the background but Batman is pretty much it's it's Alfred's goodbye love letter to Bruce Wayne and that is about 18 pages of it and there's poetry involved so many poetry references or maybe it's just one poetry reference just spread throughout uh, I don't know because I am actually <laughs> not going to keep looking up Tom King's poetry because this isn't the first time he's done this uh he's 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 all about he, the the dude's smart as fuck mm, okay he's he's he he's he knows literature <laughs> he's he's he knows what's up thing is, is I'm not smart as fuck and I know comic books that's about it so kind of escape me but if you are super arthy farthy, then go. Yeah, you you really really love this. Now, uh, why did you? I I kept reading it because it's it's beautiful to look at. That's what drew me in. I think Mikhail Janine 
It's maybe my favorite person drawing Batman. I mean, there's there's some good ones out there, but Mikel Janine just has this very particular style, and uh, it's just I really like Janine's costume. Is what it comes down to. I like the way he draws his costume. So, uh, more the cowl than anything. So that's what keeps me pulled in. If anything Mikel Janine's drawing, I will be reading. That's 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 a given. It's like Simon Kudansky. You know, he could be. If Simon Kudansky took on My Little Pony, Brian has subscribed to My Little Pony. If Mikel Janine took on, I don't know, what's the thing that I would never do? Lumberjanes. Brian's reading Lumberjanes. That's. So, you get the idea. If you don't get the idea, sorry. <laughs> so, uh, Batman's mad. Batman's mad. Batman faces down Thomas Wayne. Now. Thing is, thing is, uh, yes, that's that's just that's the whole book. You know, it's Batman sad, Batman, uh, yeah, Batman's mad. <laughs> uh, I thought Batman was dead. Uh, he got shot right in the fucking, you know, in the in the guts by Thomas Wayne. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it was. I liked it. I did like it, but I just... I wanted more plot to talk about. That's the thing, is I want more plot to talk about towards the end of Tom King's run. I like it so much that I just need more to talk about, but he's he's so unique that it's hard to... Yeah, you get it. You get it. Alright. Marvel. Marvel time. Immortal Hulk number 27 Legacy 746, I believe. 746. Alright. Al Ewing, Joe Bennett, Roy Jose, and Paul Mounts. Oh, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Alright. Oh, and of course, an Alex Ross cover. So, uh, before I jump into this, I... Uh, I would like to talk about digital reading versus uh, actual paperback. Anybody out there that is okay with uh, the fact that there's there's ever the, the possibility that printed uh, comics is going to go away and go all digital, uh, this book right here, this book right here will... Uh, convince you that digital reading is not the way to go and will never be the way to go print shall forever be the same or for, forever reign supreme is what I mean to say still got the morning brain thing happening apparently should have got a coffee mm. uh, so uh, yeah. now this book the way it's told visually is there's three different things going on or there's three different settings between three different groups of characters. And uh, if you were to read this digitally, you are confused as fuck. Because it's there, it's two-page spread types of situations. And it's really hard for me to explain. Uh, the only, I mean, if you're not convinced, you're just try to read it digital and then try to read it in print and see how much of a difference. See how much better and just... The, the, more brilliant Al Ewing storytelling is. Uh, digital does it does no 
no justice to how good of a writer Al Ewing is. I was fucking confused. Um, uh, the only reason I read it digital is I was getting my oil changed and I didn't bring my books with me. So, and, you know, I needed something to read. And I couldn't get through it because I didn't understand what was happening. And I was worried because I really, really, really was excited on the fact that I'm starting to get the hang of Al Ewing storytelling <laughs> with Immortal Hulk. Uh, then I came home and I cracked open the book and I crossed my fingers and this book was a smooth fucking read. So, now, let's talk about it. We've got the Minotaur. Our first first setting, our first group, it is the Minotaur. He is now the head of Roxxon, and he's kind of he's hinting at this climate manipulation type of situation. He's all about uh, the mass manipulation, uh, whether it's climate manipulation or manipulating the people or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, he has... Uh, and he has these enforcers, and that brings us over to our second scenario. We've got the Berserkers, and it's an acronym for something that I don't think that they've given to us yet. But Berserkers, and we've got two in particular. I don't, I don't think their names are important, but they are given names. But originally, you know, just some two dudes guarding a gate. You know, it looks like Border Patrol type of situation. But then it gets to a point where, you know, one of them kind of slaps the other one around a little bit and says, Oh, let's go, motherfucker, because Hulk smash. <laughs> Not necessarily Hulk smash, but that's, yeah, uh, they they are gamma-free Hulk strength soldiers. So they don't have no gamma in them, but they have the strength of a Hulk. And they just kind of start sparring against each other. You know, one of them's a rookie, and the other one's a veteran, and... Yeah, uh, it's a rite of passage type of situation, and yeah, so they're just at some, you know, border of some sort, just wrestling around as these very grotesque-looking hulks, and they don't just—they don't look like you know your Bruce Banner Hulk at all. They almost look like if a Hulk fucked a Minotaur, <laughs> um, just or almost Beta Ray Billish kind of. I guess Beta Ray Bill kind of is Minotaur-looking in a way. But yeah, you get the idea. It's just those horse teeth, just fucking creepy. Well, meanwhile, Banner. <laughs> Banner, he's uh, he he's he arrives at the the Roxxon facility, uh, a Roxxon facility, this particular Roxxon facility that these berserkers are fucking shit up at, and his goal is to. Uh, take out these servers, and these servers, uh, it's what, um, produces the, the, the social media reach for Roxxon. Without their social media reach, they're, they're not manipulating the masses in the capacity that they should be. Sure. Uh, yeah, Hulk smash. And Hulk, he, he, of course, you're gonna see Hulk take on these two berserker guys, and, whew, and then Minotaur sends in more. <laughs> well, he, he goes to call in the Berserkers, and then he realizes that, well, they're already in there, and that's that's the problem. Because <laughs> he's like, oh, there's a pro Or he gets told by one of his little minion dudes, hey, there's a problem, dude. And Minotaur says, well, send in the Berserkers. He's like, oh, it's a fucking problem. Hulk smashing the shit out of them right now, and our servers. and mm. So, yes. Minotaur, he's mad. 
Well, at this point, uh, the, the the third scenario, and keep in mind, I'm not telling the story in the, the, the manner that Al Ewing does. You know, I'm, I'm giving you the broad overview of what's happening. Uh, the third scenario is uh, the shadow base, and that's, uh, you know, your Samson, and uh, I can't remember her name, but yeah. Uh, the other person there, scientist lady, reporter. No, not the reporter, the scientist. Um, well, they say, okay, well, sun's going down, big guy. Or, sun's coming up, big guy. <laughs> Banner's gonna be out. And then we get a really cool reveal. The fact that Banner and Hulk are now actually working together. And Hulk can now be out in the daylight. The world is fucked. Hulk can be out 24-7, bitches. Because if you're not familiar or aware, the daytime is Banner's, the nighttime is Hulk's. Oh, man. Fuck, this Hulk book was good. It was so good. And once again, just a bit... I mean, the, obviously the art is, is, speaks for itself. Um, it, it's it's grotesque. It's beautiful at the same time. It's, it's never confusing. Joe Bennett has yet to confuse me uh, artistically. Uh, Al Ewing, because uh, he is so brilliant with his writing at times, yeah, he has the capability of kind of spinning me around but nevertheless <laughs> this one read it read it paper read, read it in print don't read this one digital i promise you you will not get the same type of effect out of it may even confuse you or maybe i'm just fucking stupid who knows well i'm at least a little stupid carrying on all right this next book here i am i was reluctant to talk about it or i was reluctant to read it but very, very happy to talk about it. Deadpool, number one. Oh, man. All right. Kelly Thompson. Mm, Chris Pichalo. Pichalo did the cover A that I picked up. I didn't get any variants, despite the fact that there were so many good variants for this. Just got just got the first one. And, you know, I, you, know you look at that cover, and you, you, you kind of wonder, like, why is Deadpool in a throne with a scepter and a crown and a robe and he looks serious because normally in that situation it would be some type of parody and well y'all uh <laughs> king deadpool's a thing and let me get right down to that deadpool has been hired to kill the monster king that's been invading staten island and well uh, he's he he, he it's time to do that. Well, Elsa Bloodstone, being the monster hunter that she is, also gets involved. <laughs> Between the two of them, Deadpool ends up killing the monster, the Monster King, and that's uh, that is grounds for him becoming the new King of Monsters. <laughs> oh man, and I, this is I, if this is the whole Deadpool arc. Uh, you know, I'm fine with this. I mean, the whole dead Kelly Thompson's run is Deadpool. You know, he could be Deadpool, but he, on the side, he's also the King of Monsters. Um, well, being the King of Monsters, he's he's uh he's got to anoint somebody, and he kind of suggests that maybe I don't know. Uh, Elsa Bloodstone should be the person, <laughs> and his uh. His his kind of 
his Chamberlain, or his Lord Chamberlain, Bellis, he he informs Deadpool that, that would be a terrible idea because, uh, well, she's the monster hunter, and she's killed a lot of fucking monsters, so not sure how the monster people would feel about, you know, her being his number one and all, or number two. So, you know, alright, whatever. Uh, then we get a visit from Gwenpool. And this, this is what completely sells me on this story. Gwenpool shows up and tells Deadpool in the most goddamn fourth wall breaking way possible. You got a book going right now. They can't figure out what the fuck were they're doing with me. Jeff the Land Shark is way too cool of a character to not have an ongoing title. I would like you to take care of Jeff the Land Shark. Slurds, Jeff the Land Shark is a part of the Deadpool universe now. It's not just Gwenpool. It's in Deadpool books. Just biting motherfuckers and being Jeff the Land Shark. The Jeff the Land Shark is the Jonathan of 2018, 19. However you want, Jeff the Land Shark of 2019 is the Jonathan of 2018. And if you're not familiar with Jonathan, that is uh, Scout, aka Gabby's, aka Honey Badger's Wolverine pet. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's so good. It's so good. And then, and then, it gets dark. Because, the you know, throughout this whole thing, uh, Deadpool's being, you know, talked to and informed by this uh, Lord Chamberlain Bellis. And, you know, he's, he's, been, he's been his guy. His introduction to the monster universe. And he's just this weird goose-looking monster thing. But because he looks so much like a goose or a swan, it's kind of like if a, a goose and a swan fucked an ostrich. And, yeah, that's... Yeah, that's that's what yeah, that's exactly what Chamberlain Bellis looks like. So uh, <laughs> Well, that's going to be a target for uh hunters of sorts. And not just monster hunters, but Craven the Hunters as well. Bam. Craven the Hunter kills Lord Chamberlain. Craven the Hunter in a Deadpool story. Is if, if that's not setting up a Spider Man appearance <laughs> guys I'm so excited I'm so excited uh, I, I, I liked uh, Scotty Young's Deadpool quite a bit Nick Klein drawing Deadpool beautiful I went into this thinking okay Deadpool can he's either right or he's wrong you know, there's no in between and I've read some wrong Deadpool and Kelly Thompson brought on the Deadpool and this is not, you, you do not give this book to kids. They talk about spider, I mean, metaphors about Spider-Man's web being him just fucking jizzing all over the city. And that's his way of facialing the city. And, uh, it's, oh man, kudos to Kelly Thompson. And I, I, I put out a tweet saying this, but in the spirit of Thanksgiving, Things I'm thankful for this week are Kelly Thompson and Chris Pichalo's Deadpool and Jeff the Land Shark. And those two things are in the same thing. 
uh, life is good. Life is good, guys. These are the these are the reasons you read comic books. You get kicked in the dick. You get a fucking eviction notice on your door. Or the fucking uh, internet gets shut down. Uh, all the more reason to buy print, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you pick up Deadpool number one by Kelly Thompson and Chris Bicciolo, and you read it. And then, if you want, you can read it again. Because there's so much to look at and see and take from it. This is why comic books are amazing. Ah. God damn. I... That was good stuff. Absolute Carnage number five. This... <laughs> oh, man. This was so good. <laughs> so good. All right. Donnie Cates, Ryan Stegman, Mark Bagley, J.P. Mayer, John Dell, and Jason Keith. Covered by Stegman, Meyer, and Martin. Now, I did that fast. Stegman and Mark Bagley. Drawing a Donnie Cates story. Stegman and Mark Bagley in the same book, y'all. That's <laughs> uh, so good. Uh, first part of this book is Eddie first meeting Cletus Cassidy. And, the, you know, this is back in a jail cell way back in the day. And Cletus, when he, you know, he's like, oh shit, you're Eddie Brock? <laughs> Originally, they were throwing a mouse into a snake pit by dropping you in my cell here, because I'm on my 11th life sentence, thanks to my last cellmate. But you, you I could be friends with. And, uh, yeah, so that's, you get that creepy moment in the beginning there. Flash forward to now Venom vs. Carnage. And this is Venom like you've never seen him before. He's all pumped up with all types of symbiotes. This is Carnage. This is Dark Carnage, all winged and dark. And this, this looks like a medieval fantasy battle. And I mean that in a good way. And as the two of them are fighting, you know, he's, he's explaining to Eddie, look, dude, I could see, you know, Eddie senses the hive, for one. Uh, he's getting closer, it's getting bigger, and yeah, he's in tune, especially now that he has so many symbiotes tied to him as well. And Carnage ex is explaining to him, look man, I, you could sense the hive, but I could see through all their eyes, and if you knew what I was seeing right now, you'd, you wouldn't be very happy. And we get this flash over to um, our, our other assistants in this battle to kind of help protect Dylan and Normie. Um, we got Spider-Man, Wolverine, Captain America thing, and Hawkeye. Well, they're losing. The, the, this, this Carnage Horde is just... Bleh, <laughs> fucking them up. Well, <laughs> thankfully, help arrives. And uh, by help, we have... I believe it's Brother Voodoo in the very back. But... Uh, mm, <laughs> Brother Voodoo, Captain Motherfucking Marvel, Deadpool, Morbius, Iron Fist, Scream, and a couple other ones that I would imagine appeared in the tie-ins that I did not read as well. So, <laughs> but yes, so all of the, or not all of them, but the good majority of the, a good majority of the characters who were involved in the tie-ins show up to even the odds against this horde. At this point, Carnage, he's like, oh shit, that's not good. Well, he also realized he kind of he's not worried though because he tells Eddie this is one win man um uh, you know I, I I could just take out everyone here including your son and you know it's uh, that's it 
everybody wins. Or you can kill me and uh, co completing the circle connected to Null, thus waking up Null, being the thing that this whole thing event was supposed to be prevent to begin with. So, uh, and he says, if I win, I win. If I lose, I win. And he says, you got the choice. Do you want me to kill your son or everyone? And he says, everyone. And he kills Null, and he's fine with it. Or not Null, uh, Carnage, my bad. Thus, waking up Null. And we see a panel of Null. He's on his way. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, we have Dylan, and uh, he's, he, <laughs> he flexes his new abilities. He goes face to face with this creature, this carnage thing that is going after Normie, face to face, and psychically blasts it away. There's no symbiote involved with him. He is very, very, very special. I want to know who Eddie fucked to get that kid, because, hmm, he's powerful. Just with mind bullets, fucks him up. And it freaks him out. And the other thing that freaks him out is, uh, now, one thing that did confuse me is the end of the book is a huge reveal. You know, everyone's saying their goodbyes, Venom hugs Spider-Man, Dylan is sitting in the corner, pale-faced, just blank-stared, and Eddie comes by, sits next to him, hey, it's up, kiddo, and you're kind of thinking that he's freaked out based off of his powers that he didn't know he could do. Well, he, he's, he, the last thing he said is, did you say I'm your son? And whoopsie doodle. Uh, I don't know how he knows that. Maybe he's connected to the Horde as well and he's able to see everything or he's super psychic or something like that. I don't know. But as many times as I flipped this, through this book, it was never once said in front of Dylan. So I'm a little confused there. But uh, that might be on purpose because Donny Cates isn't really one to, to have a loophole like that um, on accident. So that being said... This book actually tie, wraps up in Venom number 20, this, uh, coming next week. So, yes, that <laughs> that wraps up this 20, 29, 29 fucking books. 29 books tied to this event. This is a good event, though. Uh, so far, I believe, uh, now, I mean, what was the event as a whole with all the tie-ins perfect? No. No, I would say, if you were to compare Absolute Carnage to the other big event that happened this year, being War of the Realms, War of the Realms overall, with having uh, close to 70 tie-ins, it was like 68 tie-ins, I think, like that, something like that, uh, there was a handful of them that I thought, meh, and that was a small handful, maybe even closer to a pinch, a pinch out of a big bowl. Well, in a much smaller bowl of events, <laughs> uh, there was only a couple of tie-ins that I thought even necessary. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I just I don't feel like they did this the 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 story in itself justice. But as an overall, between Absolute Carnage and Venom, 
those just if you were to just read go back and forth between those two books incredibly enjoyable this is this is a great fucking event uh, i would i would i would call this more of an arc than an event but yeah that's what i've got for overviews y'all let's uh take a quick break here i am going to get some coffee and then we're going to get on to the honorable mentions What's up, nerds? This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast. I would like to invite you to check out our podcast. We have two shows every week, and both of our shows are about everything that is pop culture and nerdum. That's right. We talk about movies. We talk about comics. We talk about video games. We talk about role-playing games. We talk about Dungeons and & Dragons, and so much more. You can find us anywhere you get podcasts just by searching Three Fat Nerds. Also, while you're at it, Go ahead and like our page on Facebook, 3 Fat Nerds Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at 3 Fat Nerds Pod. And of course, you can check out our website, 8122productions.com. Most importantly, I hope you enjoy the show. With that being said, there's only one thing left to say. That's later, nerds. Alright, we are back. Mm-hmm. Alright, let's do honorable mentions. If you're not familiar with this this segment here, what I'm doing here is breaking down all the other books I bought. Uh, I didn't just read the, I don't know, without actually counting, I don't know, 11, 12 books I just talked about. Uh, there's, there's so much more. But uh, sometimes I can't always figure out what there is to talk about, or I just don't... I don't feel like I have the right to talk about it if I'm not confused. <laughs> or maybe it's just something I wanted, I picked up for speculation's sake, or who knows. But the fact is, is they still need to be acknowledged because that's what this is all about. Just because I don't like And it doesn't necessarily mean I don't like it. But, yeah, just because it's, it didn't make my top list doesn't necessarily mean that it's not good. Let's start out with my... Uh, my Marvel honorable mentions. We've got Excalibur number two. Yes, you realized I didn't talk about any X books this week, but I, yeah, there's <laughs> there's no shortage of X books. Excalibur number two. It was uh, it was cool. It was. It was. But it tied in heavily to Marauder. So if you're not reading Marauders, you're very confused. And yeah, and let's talk about Marauders. Uh, Marauders number two. Also, uh, this was pretty much Emma declaring Captain Kate the Red Queen. Bam. There's... uh, It kind of got the issue number two-itis on me, like I like to say. Sometimes, sometimes number two just kind of takes a dip. Very revealing, yes. This is something that, you know, it's been a very anticipated reveal because there's still a spot on the council and... But yeah, there you go. Tony Stark Iron Man number 18. Mm, Ultron Agenda part 3. Big take out of this is uh, Howard and Maria Stark are now alive thanks to Arno. And uh, yeah, they're alive in the same way that Tony Stark's alive, you know, kind of artificially, but still with all the memories. And don't really seem all that different, but yeah, wouldn't know. It's kind of weird because they're standing there completely naked with no intentions of getting clothed. 
while they're hugging and talking to their son the whole time. It's, it's hmm. I'm curious to see how, the, I actually thought 18 was the last issue. It looks like 19 is going to be the last issue, so. Yeah, there you go. Avengers number 26. This book never makes honorable mentions, but this is a this is an arc that I'm probably not going to follow because I don't I'm not really uh, I don't have a whole lot of I don't know I don't want to say I don't care about the Star Brand, but it's not really something that really interests me. This is Star Brand in the year fucking 2000 BC or some shit 10,000 BC. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on here, uh, but. Yeah, there you go. Uh, DC honorable mention. I guess I'm all over the place here. No, no, only one DC honorable mention this week. Uh, oh, no, I take that back. There are two. Uh, Metal Men, number two. This was cool. I, I, I dug Metal Men number one, but I could really break this down in one sentence. The nth Metal Man has arrived and killed Gold Man. Bam. Spoiler. But you were warned in the beginning. So, I'm digging Dan DiDio, 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 I don't know, but I like it. Might be a trade negotiation thing, I'm going to see how I feel about issue 3, but I do want to keep going into it, because I'm very intrigued by the idea of an Ent Metal Man. Uh, Image Comics, Ice Cream Man, number 16, this is the end of an arc, which I don't see, I mean, this book isn't really tied together in any way, but... Uh, <laughs> it's all very individual. Now, this is my favorite horror book out there, but my stack was really, really, really thick. And I just, I decided that I kind of want to save this. Uh, so, I uh, didn't make the overviews only because I haven't gotten around to it yet. But I, maybe because I'm anticipating it so much. I don't know what, I don't know why I did what I did here, but I did it. So it's an honorable mention. Ice Cream Man, number 16. Farmhand, number 11. A new arc begins, and... <laughs> uh, I'm not going to talk about... The, the reason I chose not to talk about this book is because... Well, I'm going to announce it right now. My next Creator's Corner segment is... Uh, I, I'm, I'm sitting down with Rob Guillory himself. We're going to talk about Farmham. <laughs> so I, I'm not going to do an overview thing. I don't want to give anything away. Uh, it's, mm, yeah, this is setting up a whole new thing. Just no crawdads, baby. Crawdads, mud bugs. All right. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Urban Legends number 19. Getting closer to that number 30. All right, The Mask. I pledge allegiance to The Mask number 2 from Dark Horse Comics. Uh, the, the first one, I <laughs> was gnarly as shit. This is a, uh, I think a four or a five-parter. So this is going to be a, a trade negotiation for me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna binge read this one because it's just the idea of a presidential candidate getting a mask, the mask. It's terrifying. More dark horse. Uh, American Gods, Moment of the Storm, number seven. It's, uh, once again, as I have been saying, I'll read this when I finally go through and catch up on the show. So. Yeah, but I'm a fan of American Gods based off the the, the, the first uh, arc that, yeah, kind of sprung from the, well, I, I can't say sprung from the TV series, that's obviously not true, but came out at the same time as the TV, the, the first season of the series, and yeah, made me pick up the, the book, and I thought it was great, but because I feel like this book's going to be spoiling the second season of the series for me, 
staying away from it. <laughs> Bloodshot number three. Uh, I dig Bloodshot. I didn't read this one though, just because the last one's just it's it's kill 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 kill, and I like it. And I just I didn't I didn't I had enough to talk about this week, and uh, to me and I, I Rye kind of took the place of Bloodshot. So bam. Oh, there was there was more DC. Uh, Lucifer. This is just a book I like having. You know, it's it's gone over to the uh, black label. It's not Vertigo. They don't, oh, it doesn't say Vertigo on it anymore. Oh, and it's a black label book. So Lucifer, from what I have read, has been great. But it's not really a talk about it type book. Uh, Batman White Knight Presents Von Fries. The reason I'm not reading this one is because I'm waiting for the other white knight book to end and then this one will come in and i'll probably do i'll probably add this one to the trade negotiation episode i do on curse of the white knight um unless you guys tell me that this book doesn't really give away anything in the second arc but it's essentially a von or you know victor von freeze in the white knight universe and how that would be so i don't know I'm, you know maybe i will just read it uh, Captain Marvel. Yes, I bought a Captain Marvel book, number 12. Part of this was speculation. Part of this was the cover. Part of this was an arc that I actually feel feel worth reading. The thing is, is I haven't gotten around to it yet because Captain Marvel is never a priority book for me. <laughs> but, yeah, there you go. I like having it. I like having it. And I, I think I will read this arc here at some point this week in between... In between... Uh, Wednesday, and now when I get my books again. Captain Marvel Absolute Carnage tie-in. Uh, for obvious reasons, I didn't read this book. Uh, track record of Captain Marvel, or not Captain, well, I mean, my like for Captain Marvel, for one, has been uh, grim. And, uh, well, frankly, the Absolute Carnage tie-ins have been kind of not so great in my eyes either. So, yeah, just recipe for just a collector thing. You know, I'm a completionist. I have every single tie-in to Absolute Carnage. I'm not going to skip the last one. Conan number 11. I'm really falling behind on Conan. Uh, and I don't like that about myself. But, um, it's... <laughs> it's I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's great. Uh, Con uh, Jason Aaron is in Ashrar and Wilth. Oh my gosh. Ashrar. Saying that name. Ashrar? How, how? That's not Ashrar? Ashrar. There it is. Ashrar. Muhammad Ashrar. Nope. Oh, fucked it up again. And Matthew Wilson. <laughs> Fuck. Conan the Barbarian. Uh, Annihilation Scourge. Alpha number one. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it all together. Oh fuck! Whoops. I coffee hasn't worked yet. Need uh yeah. Uh, there's uh, you can't have enough can't have enough Rosenberg in your life, man. And I I, I want to read all this one together. And it's just I just ugh, come on. I don't know what the Annihilation thing is, but just based off that cover, you know, Nova Silver Surfer, Fantastic Four, Beta Ray Bill, looks like Dark Beast, and, uh, well, Annihilation. Hey, named them all. Sounds like fun. Amazing Spider-Man. 
Number 34, I don't, I'm steering clear of the 2099 stuff, and all, every so far, Nick Spencer's track record of uh, him doing tie-ins into series has been not so great. I did not like the Spider-Man tie-ins to Absolute Carnage, and then we got one standalone issue that wasn't tied into anything that was okay, and then now this. So I, I'll be skipping this whole arc, but I'll still be collecting it because I'm not going to have a gap in my collection. And uh, yeah, last but not least of the overviews, we have King Thor, number three. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm reading all four at once when that happens, so boom. And that does it for overviews. I've got nothing else. Nothing else for overviews. Big, thick, thick, thick pile of books that I read that didn't make it to the top whatever. I wouldn't say top, but the overviews. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's, uh, that does it for honorable mentions. But there's still the wall books, and there's no plural this week. Just one single wall book. Star Wars number 75. I had to get that Hayden Christians. <laughs> <laughs> fucking figure variant. Like I said in the last Star Wars book and came out, someone mentioned that they like the figure variants, figure variant covers, and I thought, well, if they're popular, man, yeah, was, you know, fucking, let me see how I feel about owning them. And, yeah, kind of a speculative move, you know, if they're popular, I'll pick it up, and, mm, well, thing is, is I think I'm kind of liking these figure variant covers. Even though the two that I picked up of things that are really uh, characters I could give two shits, I don't even remember what the other one was. I'm, I mean, I'm not that into Star Wars to know what that thing was. I've seen it and I've heard the name, but I couldn't. Yeah, but Anakin Skywalker, old Hayden Christensen, you hateable son of a bitch. Good on ya. Might just make my wall. And uh, yeah, that uh, that does it. That does it for all that. As far as my top acknowledgments, this is... <laughs> oh, man. Let, let, I'm going to start out with my cover, actually. My cover is Captain Marvel. Uh, it's not a wall book, because I didn't buy it for the cover. I did actually buy it for the story. And apparently it's a dark... Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, for the story. But that cover, Mark Brooks is... He he knows how to he knows how to make money off of me that's for sure. You know, I've got Mark Brooks signed art behind me. I'm so happy to have the Iron Man behind me, and uh, yeah, his Captain Marvel covers. Brilliant. Um yeah so that's my that's my cover of the week. Now as far as my visuals of the week, my guts, my interiors, my penciler of the week goes to Rip. Oh, Rip from Rye. Rip from Rye. That art is fucking incredible. And I had a, a listener reach out and, you know, comment and say, how come this guy doesn't get work over at the Big Two, over at Marvel or DC? Because his art is fucking phenomenal. And you know what? Absolutely right about that. Yeah, you got a cover. He did do the Contagion covers. But, but, I want... I like his pencils more than his super, super refined cover work. 
uh, right i'm i'm so into this book i'm so into this book and that leads me into my overall story of the week is rye valiant comics reigns supreme uh <laughs> dan abnett man dan abnett and rip you have killed it you have blown me away you have become my most recommended book of the week so bam good on ya so that wraps up the show. Thanks again for tuning in. I'd like to remind you to support this podcast. There are several different ways to do it. Your support does mean the world of this podcast. It's production, it's quality, it's quantity as well. So hmm, the more supporters, the more episodes, the more content. And yeah, life's good. Do so. Become a patron. Patreon.com slash cheers to comics for a dollar. Send me a dollar. I send you stickers, and, you know, included in that tier, if you're lucky enough to bump into me into a, it's a small world, bump into me into a bar, bump, and I'll buy your first beer. Huh. Buy you a beer tier is what I like to call that, but I also send you stickers as well. And, uh, bam, and the tiers range on up, you know, there's even a tier that involves me sending you a comic once a month. So, it's... It's pretty badass by you becoming a patron. And yeah, you sending me your hard-earned money really, really, it, it motivates me even more. Not that I need a whole lot of motivation to want to get this, this content out there, but knowing that you guys care enough about how I'm delivering it, what I'm delivering, and the manner that I'm delivering, uh, yeah, oh, that's, that's fucking motivating. Another thing that motivates me is when y'all take the time, that precious, precious time out of your day to leave feedback, drop a review, man. Apple. Go to Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review. And it it, th- those, it helps climb the rankings in this podcast. The more ratings, the higher the ranking. So tell a friend. You know, tell a friend. It's, it, 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 it's good for everybody. Uh, so, and, you know, fucking leave, leave feedback. Tell me what you liked about it. You know, if you didn't like it, uh, leave five stars and then still tell me what you didn't like and I'll take it into consideration. So that way, you know, it doesn't hurt the podcast, but at the same time, constructive criticism never hurt anybody. If you really want to get a hold of me, you can uh, write a letter, drop an email at cheers to comics podcast at gmail.com. That's super neato. And, you know, I'll, I'll read your letter if you want. And your reviews as well. I'll read your reviews. I'll give you a shout out. I'll let you know what's up. You can also leave individual episodic reviews on a little place called Podchaser. It's brand new to your ears. It's not. It's not really. It's. It's barely a thing. But goddamn, is it a thing? It is so cool. It is the IMDb of podcasts, as I have heard others describe it. And you get a follow. Uh, your your creators, your creator profiles as well, and you could see when they're uh, if they're crossover in any other episodes because you know the podcast community, especially through Podchaser, we we all love each other, man. The internet's a big place. There's plenty of room for all the podcasts out there. So the we, I'm a part of a really good group on Podchaser called a Alternate Reality Radio. Radio shout out to Next Wave. And, uh, yeah, join that list, and you'll have a whole curated list of about close to 50 badass podcasts, ranging from everything from talk about uh, uh, relationships and very interesting stuff, too, to horror-based podcasts, 
to all around geekery podcasts. You know the stuff that I don't cover. You know, it's, I I cover comic books. That's it. It's just the comic books. There's other podcasts out there that cover the the, the shows that are spawning off of these podcasts. And I, I if I started shouting them off now, I'd I'd have another half an hour <laughs> on this runtime here. So, uh, yeah, there's. Find them all on Podchaser is the point. Podchaser.com. You're going to love it. You will, you'll fall in love with it. It is it is awesome if you're really into podcasts. That does it. That wraps it up. No more plugs. I'm done plugging. You nerds, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Uh, eat responsibly. Read responsibly. And, uh, yeah, it's been a podcast. Cheers, fuckers. Thank you.